Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Talk Radio. If it's in business, it's business soup. I'm your host, John Debevoise, and today we have the honor of her honor. That is the mayor of the city of San Marcos, Rebecca Jones. Today, the mayor will be sharing with us the business of politics, and then later on, she'll share what to do in the time of disaster, sharing with you the tips, tools, and techniques of government here on Business Soup. We're talking with Rebecca Jones. She is the mayor of San Marcos and got into politics quite by accident. And I'd like to turn the attention how you got into politics and what would you advise other business owners, my audience, why they should get into politics and how would you do it differently if you were to do anything different from how you got into it? I would not probably do anything too differently. I didn't join the city council before my kids were in school. That was important to me. This job, not as mayor, but as a council person, offered me the flexibility that I could be home with my kids. So I had my council meetings twice a month. Those are the uh, the exceptions to that rule. But for the most part, I was able to be with my kids. That was very important to me. So it did work in my life and my schedule. And I think, too, showing your kids that... Being part of the community is important because my dad always had said to me that be involved, find out what's going on. And I never did, though. I I will admit, I never really did. And so I just didn't know the steps to do that. And so I think it's important to make sure that we are constantly finding other people that have an interest of being involved with the community, right? And so encouraging them to participate in a way that is meaningful. And that's going to look different for every single person. You could even just show up to a city council meeting and you can be involved. But I can tell you that it's so important to know what your local leaders are doing. Are they looking out for you or are they looking out for the next office? I think it's really important for people to show up and be involved in our community if they are elected to the city council. I have people tell me, my gosh, you're literally everywhere. And I say, isn't that my job? (laughs) I think you would expect that from all of your your elected officials. We need to be involved to a point where people know what we look like. They know what we're doing. They feel free to ask us questions. And if I don't have time to talk to someone right then, I will say, you know what? I can't talk to you right now. I will meet you at another time. Shoot me off an email. Here's my card. Um, please feel free to reach out. I know in my business of being a, a talk show host that politics is a very important part of our business. And understanding how it works and what's coming is very important. And here at Business Soup, I like to give everybody the heads up of what our elected officials have in mind. It's easier to get in front of legislation before it happens than to try and change it from the back. Well, that's exactly why I got involved, John, because I'm not a negative person. And I decided that I didn't like being at the other end and fighting things. It's just not fun. And so it's so much better being on the other side, being part of the process and being able to talk to people. You know, a lot of people say to me, wow, you knock on a lot of doors when you're running for election. And I say, yeah, I wish I had more time to do that during the year and not just at election time because I do like to get feedback. And that's why when people reach out to me, it's really important that I listen to them. Now, 
not everyone is going to be able to have me implement every idea that they possibly have. There's always a lot of stumbling blocks to that. But it also helps shape my reasoning and my thought when I am making a decision that does affect a lot of people. And and I would argue that almost every decision that I make does affect a lot of people. And one of the things that I pride myself on is that I do take into account everyone and I look at the big picture. I don't look at one land use decision by itself, for instance, but in totality. How does one particular land use decision affect the entire city and our housing stock. And, you know, I talk a lot about mandates by the state. They're real. In the next eight years, starting in 2021 through 2029, we're supposed to build over 3,100 homes in San Marcos. I have no idea how that's going to happen. It's really important that we realize that fact. And when people are telling you when they're running for elected office, oh, I'm going to stop development. First of all, You don't want to stop all development or you don't want to control development to a point where there's no growth because some growth, whether it be redevelopment growth or business growth, now it does need to be methodical. It does need to be well-planned and it needs to be intentional. And so I I think it's important that people understand that. I try to be 100% as transparent as possible and make sure that people understand what I'm thinking and why I'm thinking it. All right. So what were you thinking when the big development to the north and to the east uh, off of Deer Springs, you stood up as the mayor of San Marcos and endorsed a project that was in the county of San Diego. And then all the citizens brought their head up and brought it to a, a vote for the entire county and it got voted down. What was your position and how does it affect your decisions now and, and your viewpoint of what's going on in the community? I generally do not get involved in any land use decision outside of the city. However, when you are talking about ballot box planning, at some point in time, I believe the state is going to step in because let's talk again about the mandate, but let's also talk about the cost of housing, right? There are two things going on here. Sure. We have mandates from the state and, and a lot of people don't understand this. So let me explain this. In the last 10 years, the entire county, every single city and the entire county of San Diego has built 60,000 homes. With Throughout the, the entire San Diego County. And that's a big correct. county, too. It's a big county. In the next eight years, we are going to be required to build over 171,000 homes. Okay. 60,000 is what we built in 10 years. And people say, oh, wow, that's a lot of houses that you have built. That's nothing like 171,000. So a lot of people don't understand that. They, and, and I tried to explain that to people. Some people listened and went, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. Some people said, well, I don't care. I want to fight it because I don't want that development. Now, let me just go into another part of the housing equation, and that is affordability. A lot of my firefighters, my sheriff deputies, and then the teachers in our community drive to Temecula and Marietta because that's where houses are more affordable. Do you realize that Newland Sierra was starting out at $360,000? That was what I'd heard the, the target was. But how can they target something that was so far in the future based upon comps that weren't even close to that? Because the 360000 is based on income levels, right? The income levels will change a little bit, 
but they have to build it based on the income levels. And they actually had a covenant that was actually recorded with the County of San Diego that required them to stay within the ranges of the the housing affordability based on the income of the county residents in that area. So you see, even if it switched a little bit from 360,000, it would still have to, to meet the requirements of what the income levels are. Does that make sense? Certainly. And I'm familiar with the timing that that came in into the proposed general plan amendment. But that's something that was specific to that property developer. That's not a requirement throughout San Diego County for any other developers. It's not. That's correct. So, you know, that's all discretionary based upon the development. But that development would have required that, which is why I specifically was in favor of that development. Over 170,000 is mandated, but yet the state of California is mandating that. But are they going to make it easier through legislation and regulation in order to accomplish that? That's a great question. So first of all, and not everyone understands this either, is that the city actually doesn't build anything. It's all private development. And then there are some people that say, oh, developers don't pay their fair share. Well, actually, we can only legally charge them their fair share. So let's say they have a thousand trips that are generated by their development. We can only charge them road improvements for a thousand trips. The fact that we have so many students and people passing through our city to get around the freeway, we don't get money for those people. Those people come through and we don't get money from the state for our number of students. They do have an economic impact, which is positive. However, we're not getting any money directly for our roads. So when you're talking about impacts, we can only charge legally the impacts that are happening based on the formula on that development. I wanted to get back into the legislation regulation aspect of it. Developments like Newland Sierra, that is a huge development, uh, coming from the real estate development industries, in a project such as that, you could go through two presidential administrations before you ever swing a hammer because of the legislation. Well, it's, it's actually even worse than the legislation because CEQA and every project, I'm not exaggerating, almost every project has some sort of lawsuit with it. And, you know, I believe we should protect the environment. I do. I believe that. However, it has become a weapon to fight development. So we have the state fighting us to build, and then we have the residents fighting us to stop building. How do you serve both masters? How do you keep the project's happening that are good projects and serving your citizens and your employees that are working in your community and also stay out of the state's way to not get in trouble with them because they actually have the ability to, we, the city, say no to a development that we now can be fined up to $11,000 per home for every year that we are not uh, building our regional housing and needs assessment allocation. Yeah, and if, if you start getting fined for each house, then the your constituents are going to be looking at you, why did you allow that to happen? I can tell you, it is a struggle of keeping our community the best that it can possibly be while facing mandates. I've had a discussion with one of our assembly members in our county, and I said to him, 
we don't want mandates. What you're doing right now and having this authority, because the state is continuously also passing laws to take away local authority. And he said to me, Rebecca, don't you think it's easier if we pass legislation that requires you to step out of the process instead of you being involved in the process because it's easier for you to explain to your residents. And I said, no, 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 it's not, because then we have zero control of what it even looks like. Well, you've done a, a wonderful job to date in being the elected mayor, and my compliments to you on, on the plan. I want to shift directions a little bit back to the current uh, pandemic, the the virus, and Business Soup is all about small business and the impact that this virus, which is driving a recession from an event, which we've never had before. San Marcos has a very large small business inventory. What is happening with that inventory of small businesses and what is the city of San Marcos doing to direct and help these small businesses get through this event? My concern is how do we get them from here until the recovery? Right. So one of the things that we're doing, we set up um, a COVID uh, website on our website. So our website is san-marcos.net. But we have a specific uh, part of it that is all about the coronavirus, all of the different things that you should do and uh, pushing out the information from the state and also the county, but also how can you support our local businesses? So we're trying to encourage people to order food to go or have it delivered. And not everyone's going to be comfortable with that, which is fine. Order a gift card to one of our businesses. There are a lot of things that folks can do. One of the things that the city is particularly doing, which is um, something brand new, and I, I don't believe that anyone else is doing something like this, is we are um, rolling out a sustainability program. And that is, we want businesses to feel like we are behind them. And how, like I said, how do we get them from here to the next level? Because the next level starts out what is the next level? It's recovery. It's going to be recovery of how how can we get folks back on their feet? Is there a way to help our businesses with a, a response that is going to help them stay in business, essentially? And so what we're talking about, um, an amount not to exceed $3 million, and that would come from our um, catastrophic emergency reserve. And what we want to do is figure out how to connect businesses to short-term loans. All right. Well, let's let me unpack this, so to say, on this one. So you're looking at accepting applications from small business owners who have been impacted by this event, by the virus. And what are some of the restrictions? Is it going to be any small business? Do they have to have employees? Is it based upon the number of employees that, that have a financial impact on these? Now these people are unemployed. Yes, it's going to have a lot of different parts to it. This is evolving. So we, we have an application that we um, have posted online. This is the first time we've ever done anything like this. Well, it's and the first time so, I've heard of any city doing this on a local basis for the business community. We haven't approved this, but this is what our framework is. So loans up to $10,000 will have 0% interest if paid within 180 days. Loans, 10000 to $25,000, 1 1.5% interest if repaid within 180 days, and 2.5% if repaid within a year. 
Loans 25,000 to 50,000 would be two and a half percent interest if repaid within 180 days, 3% if repaid within one year, and 3.25% if repaid within two years. And the priority will be given to businesses with 10 or more employees for loans between 25,000 and 50,000. Okay. So you thought this out, and I'm going to guess this is not from memory. This is your, you have some notes. I do. I do have some notes because <laughs> I don't have it all memorized yet. No, um, I'm just a person. All right. So you have this outline for businesses, primarily those who have a number of employees because you want to help not only the employees, but the businesses. This is unheard of in my world of business that, that the city is, is is extending this. You know, again, John, this is about us being committed to our community. And one of the things that also is notable is a lot of our residents are small business owners within our community or managers that are managing these businesses that are community residents. When our businesses hurt, our community hurts. Sure. Because it is our residents that work in so many of our actual businesses. And so we are 100% committed. I know that when our businesses are thriving, our city is thriving because on our city specifically, we have a very small percentage of property tax that we generate here in San Marcos. And so we do rely on sales tax more than property tax. Kind of actually grateful that we don't have an auto park or a, a large regional mall because those are the sorts of cities that really are hurting in a situation like this or a downturn in the economy that is, you know, like a regular downturn in the economy because they rely on that sales tax and they are used to that sales tax. Sure. So generally what happens, the more money you have, the more money you spend. We're, we haven't been that way. We are, we're very careful. We have about 40% of our annual budget is in reserves. So we have that in reserves because we're very protective of that. Well, don't tell the state you've got that money. Well, unfortunately, they do know. And you know what? There was just some legislation uh, that they were talking about. If we do have anything over 30%, that they want to force us to use the other 10% toward affordable housing, which if we didn't have this money right now, if we did not have a healthy reserve and we only had 30%, I would be very uncomfortable setting this aside to potentially help our business community. This investment on our businesses, it's a commitment by us, but I think also our residents will look at this as an investment in their future as well. Because if you look at any well-rounded city, it's not one where you have to go out and shop for every single thing that you need. It's that you can stay in your community, right? You're, yeah. you're generating the sales tax close to home. Maybe you could walk. Maybe you could have an alternative to driving your car everywhere. It's a possibility, right? And as we become more walkable with North City being now really a true downtown for San Marcos, right. places like that encourage you to go to the local restaurants and walk to CVS, which isn't too far away, and, and Ralph's Grocery and stay yeah. local and stay close to home. And I, I feel like honestly right now and so at some moments in time in my day that I'm sort of like, um, drinking out of a fire hose, <laughs> trying to trying to keep it all under control. But I'm excited to um, encourage people to stay in the community, stay San Marcos centric, 
and figure out how we can come together and recover when this is all over. The state has come out and said, and with the deployment in some areas of the National Guard, that they want everybody to be at a social uh, safe distance. But they're also, I'm hearing and seeing stories of public areas that are being shut down from the beaches to public parks. What is the stance that the city of San Marcos is taking and how does it differ from what the state is stipulating? We're following the county direction and what the direction has been is to continue at safe distances. That means social distancing, not next to one another, not going into crowded places, You would think that uh, folks would understand if your child is wanting to go on a playground equipment, you shouldn't do that. So being that folks were out doing that, we closed our playgrounds yesterday. I think people need to be smart. And if you're going to be reckless, that's not good for any of us. You've got to stay put. But when you need to get out, do it in a safe way and don't put other people in jeopardy because we're in this together. And we've got to look out for one another. We've got to help our senior citizens or people that are not ambulatory to get out and get the items that they need. That's why back to the toilet paper. Don't hoard the toilet paper, people. (laughs) But, you know, there's water that people need. They need food. They need their prescriptions. And so anytime you can help out a neighbor in need, I encourage people, please, please reach out to people that you know can't get out and help them. I actually was out on Saturday at Costco helping someone that couldn't get out to get her prescriptions. She's been ill. So I went went to Costco, braved the Costco line. I, I'm willing to do it. I encourage everyone to try to do it. If you're healthy and you are able, you should help as many people as you possibly can because that's community. And that's what San Marcos, I think, excels at. We come together and we serve one another and we love one another. And we do what we need to do when the chips are down. And that is right now. Right now, we need to come together and help people. And part of helping people is do what the government asks you to do. Follow the rules that are passed out on our city website, on our county website, and practice safe hand washing. And don't go out if you're sick. Please, if you are sick, sure. do not leave your home no matter what. Well, and the, the state is doing that along the beaches and such. They're saying, you know, just be nice, be respectful. And they haven't said what they're going to do. They haven't said first violation is being tased or just a ticket. But I'm sure it's just get get off the beach. What about private property? Is there confinements or restrictions that are being placed upon those people who have private property facilities where people might come to congregate for whatever reason? We're following the county and the county is prescribing no gatherings. No gatherings. We need to Public or private property? Yes. Wow. But you know what? We're not going to go around and, and tell people in your home you can't have people in your home. But you know what? People need to be smart. And quite frankly, there is some responsibility on each resident of this community. There is. There is a, a responsibility of keep yourself healthy and keep your neighbor healthy. And if you are disregarding health directives from the county that are pushed out by the city, then it's kind of out of our control as far as what the next steps will be. But we will be following whatever the county is telling us to do. So my job is to remain calm 
and to be sensible and educate myself reading the information. Again, I can only control myself. And every person needs to know that. You can control yourself, but you can also do what I'm doing and how I control myself when I react to things. There's so many stories that are tragic, tragic stories that are going on in our communities with businesses closing. And are they going to be able to come back? I'm not sure, but I'm certainly going to do everything I can within my power to help the situation. Well, Rebecca, I want to thank you for serving my audience and coming forward and sharing what are the tips, tools, and techniques to our little community here and getting the information out about some of the development projects and also the positions of our beautiful town of San Marcos. Everyone, Rebecca Jones, mayor of our beautiful town, San Marcos in Southern California. Rebecca, thank you. Thank you, John. This has been another serving of Business Soup, where business comes for business. I'm John Debevoise, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.